Welcome to the Griffith in Asia podcast. Welcome to the Griffith Asia Insights podcast. Today I'm speaking with Associate Professor Lee Shutter from the School of Environment here at Griffith University. Lee is Associate Professor of Architecture and also the Program Director of the Master of Architecture. Uh, good morning, Lee. Good morning. How are you, Belle? Not too bad. Today, we wanted to talk to you about your latest project, Surveying the Streetscapes in Guangzhou's Liwan District. Uh, first up, could you tell me a bit about the district and why you chose Liwan in particular? Certainly. Um, Liwan is in the western part of the city of Guangzhou. It's to the west of the um, ancient walled city core of the city. And it's where um, foreign countries had their concessions for trade uh, with with China. So Guangzhou was really the, the gateway to uh, to China for trade from uh, many hundreds of years ago now. And the Liwan district in particular was developed in the uh, middle to late 19th and early 20th century. So the place that we particularly were interested in was a street called Enning Road, which historically was actually a canal and then subsequently was filled in to become a street. And along Enning Road is a series of buildings called Chi Lo Architecture. And this architecture is a, an amalgam, a hybrid, if you like, of Western and Chinese architecture. And it's buildings that are um, two to three storeys high, typically, built from the... Um, late 19th and early 20th century and the buildings along the street there's a, a continuous arcade so a very beautiful um, meandering street with uh, trees and a, a lot of landscape it's a very well preserved district of Guangzhou and it's a really uh, beautiful street to visit. I understand there are some changes coming up to the district which is why you wanted to preserve it now is that right? Absolutely in China Urbanisation is a huge, is having a huge impact on on Chinese cities and particularly cities like Guangzhou. Over the period from um, 2010 to uh, 2030, that 20-year period, there's roughly 400 million Chinese people that will move from rural areas to urban areas uh, mm -hmm. to places like Guangzhou. So, in Australian terms or Gold Coast terms, that's really like the equivalent of building a city the size of the Gold Coast, all the buildings, all the roads, the infrastructure, the sewerage pipes, etc. A city the size of the Gold Coast every 10 days, and that will continue from now until uh, 2030. So obviously that's not all taking place in one spot, but there's a huge amount of um, urban renewal and construction going on, and big cities like Guangzhou and certainly areas where there's relatively low density in those cities and older buildings are under threat from that process of urbanisation. So the Chinese have some sense that uh, Enning Road in that particular district is a, an important historical precinct and they do want to preserve and incorporate it into um, new plans for, for the area. Uh, but it's really important that there are strong records and uh, dimensionally accurate uh, drawings and models of the precinct uh, for that work to be able to take place. Speaking of the models that you just discussed there, I understand you weren't making a traditional paper record of the area. You were using uh, new technology. Can you tell me a bit more about the, the scanning process and the technology that you used? 
certainly the process that or the, the equipment that we used is a, a three-dimensional laser scanner and it's a uh, system developed by the CSIRO here in Australia. It's called Zebedee. And Zebedee is, uh, the system's named after the character Zebedee from the, the Magic Roundabout. So, um, and it's named after Zebedee because the laser scanning head is actually mounted on a, on a spring. It's a handheld device. And the head wobbles back and forth a bit like the character in the Magic Roundabout. So the laser scanning software um, uses an infrared laser and it sends out a, a, a pulse, a laser pulse, 40,000 times a second. So uh, what it does is it measures the distance from the, uh, the head of the laser, from the head of the scanner, uh, to uh, the objects in the environment that that pulse uh, that infrared pulse uh, hits and then returns back to the laser and it, it makes a very accurate dimensional uh, record of the distance between the head and, and the, uh, um, the objects in the environment, the buildings around it. Does so, that mean it's yeah. a very fast process to get a, a really accurate scan of, say, a street? It, it is. It's very quick. So um, with, with that process... Um, you can walk along a section of the street and you might walk an up and down a section of the street, um, you know, let's say it's 100 metres long, um, in 10 minutes. And from that, the, um, the data collected, you're able to construct what is called a point cloud. So you have quite literally millions of points that are located in virtual space uh, to make up a, a model. So the, the scanner... Uh, quite literally is taking um, around about 2 million readings a minute to construct this virtual model of the environment. And it's very accurate. Um, so it's accurate uh, to around to about 20 millimetres um, as you move through the space. So does that mean you can then import that point mapping and create three-dimensional sort of computer models of the buildings? Um, absolutely. I mean, in the first instance... It is a three-dimensional computer model in itself. So the point cloud is is quite literally um, this array of millions of located points in space. But because of their density, they describe surfaces and edges. And when you open um, that model in a, a CAD program, um, you actually see a three-dimensional um, model it's like a, a clay model oh, wow. uh, but those models can then be opened or, or translated into uh, to vector drawings so um, you know drawings that start to describe lines and edges and surfaces and other aspects are, are more uh, traditional and in many respects more usable in the CAD model I mean, one of the really interesting things about the, um, the model that's produced um, and when you look at the images that um, you might take from that model, which you, you can cut the model to get um, orthographic projection so you can um, look at it and make a plan from it or you can make a section or you can look at elevations of buildings and those types of things. But it's, it's sort of halfway in between... Um, an X-ray and a photograph, if you like, because you get 
um, multiple layers of um, of the building, um, and you also um, you, you get fleeting images of people and vehicles, somebody's washing, and so on. But because <laughs> you're continuing to take the scan over a long period of time. It's a bit like a, a time exposure photograph where anything moving in it blurs through the, the photograph and you, you have the same quality that arises in the scans that you take. Well, now this project is almost completed, what are your hopes for the future of this style of research or this particular research? Are there any other places you'd like to preserve in this way? Uh, yes, we've got a, a couple of projects um, on the go. So um, our immediate next project is we've been asked to visit a monastery in Kashmir in India, a Buddhist monastery, the Sani Monastery, which is in the Kazgur Valley. So we're a small group of us are going up there in uh, July uh, to scan it um, and to do a, a, a cultural heritage study in relation to that building which also um, is under threat, not not so much from urbanisation in that location, it's a very remote location, um, but from the climate and from the environment. It's a, it's a uh, building and uh, site that's uh, 800 years old. Oh, wow. Uh, and, it, and it's in need of uh, care and uh, restoration and so on. So we're going there to create accurate records on which that work can be based. Uh, and then after that, um, we're also uh, starting a project um, with a range of university partners through Southeast Asia and East Asia uh, to look at a number of different urban uh, environments that are also under threat, um, but important cultural heritage sites and, and so on. Um, so we're, we're looking at places in Indonesia um, Malaysia and other sites in China. Fantastic. We'll have to check back in with you when those are completed. Um, yes, well, we, we really hope it will be a significant ongoing range of work over uh, the next few years that, that we'll continue to do. And we'll be developing our techniques and getting um, better quality um, virtual models and, and scanned information coming out of it. One of the things that I should mention that uh, we're doing with the material is in 2013, a not-for-profit group um, based in the United States called SciArc set a, up an online digital uh, repository, mm -hmm. an archive for uh, this type of material, and they're collecting documentation and records and three-dimensional models um, from a range of um, World Heritage sites and important historic precincts from around the world and their archive is uh, growing very rapidly. It's a fantastic archive to go and view all sorts of uh, wonderful um, pieces of historic architecture and landscape environments and so on. Well, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. You've been listening to the Griffith Asia Insights podcast. For more information about Griffith's engagement in the Asia-Pacific region, visit griffith.edu.au slash Asia.